right, we are back. QP Sports Exchange Hoop Questions Monday is on the air. Your host Vince is here to give you all the basketball news that he got to give you. We got some stuff to really talk about. I'm excited about this podcast. I'm excited to bring it to you. But before we do that, we got some house cleaning business to take care of. Tomorrow, we are going to have a special NBA draft pod preview. We should be running these through the month on Tuesday and getting you ready for like a mock draft before the draft. So I'm excited. One of my new members of the family, Nick Militello, is coming on the air. He's going to provide some analysis on these players. And also we got his breakdown and we're going to put it on the website after the pod. So what you don't get on the pod or if you want to kind of go back, get that um, get that article because it'll be on the questionpointpodnetwork.com site right after we uh, drop that pod tomorrow so we got that also there's going to be another gentleman joining us kendall he's also a big draft guy he studies he's on top of what is going on with these players so i am glad to have them coming tomorrow we're gonna drop a pod it'll probably be mid-afternoon it'll be nba draft and i think what we're gonna do is we're gonna run through this next four weeks and then maybe also draft grades after basketball never sleeps hoops never sleep you know we're gonna stay on top of it and give you what you need you know what i'm saying we're gonna give you all the hoop stuff you gotta have all right on today's show we're gonna be discussing cp3 his performance in that last game and that closeout game against the Clippers. We're going to discuss his contract and we're also going to discuss his future. Okay, because it's coming up. My man looks like he's going to be opting out of that 42 mil. So we're going to bring you all that. Then we're going to go to Kawhi Leonard, the international man of mystery. You know what I'm saying? We have no idea what's going on with this cat, but I'll bring you the news that I have. We're also going to talk about the the Dame Neil O'Shea rift in Portland. And we're also going to get to PG-13 and a real reaction by Raja Bell. And I'll give you my thoughts on what Raja said. And we'll kind of contextualize PG-13 the way we kind of need to. I think there's a lot of things that go out there and we're we're very reactionary. Reactionary when it comes to performance, recency bias, and all those type of things. So I'm going to give you like an evaluation from a real player, somebody who struggled and scrapped to stay in the league, a guy that I really respect. Shout out to the real ones. On the Ringer Podcast Network, Logan Murdoch, Rajah Bell, I love y'all. And thank you for giving me this segment because we're going to really dissect one Paul George and uh, his game. So we're going to do that. And pretty much that's what's going on. Your boy is in a great mood. He's like excited to pod. So you know what? Without further ado, let's go ahead and get into this 
Pod. But you don't hear me though. So we're talking CP3 right now, and um, man, let's give this dude his props. Game six, he was everything to Phoenix. It was all Chris Paul down the stretch, frustrated the Clippers to no end, and got that W and moved his team on to the NBA Finals. First and foremost, CP3 stamped his ticket to the NBA Finals. This will be Paul's first appearance in a final. Okay. Um, shout out to my man, uh, Big Waz, on the Ringer Network. He was on Ringer Group Chat, and this is what he said. He said, I have pictures of CP3 getting to the finals, kind of like a hanger-on, ring chasey type of vet. I, but I didn't think I would see him be a key contributor to a championship finals team. Big Wise went on to say that he saluted CP3 for being an impactful contributor and a leader of a Western Conference final championship team. All right, so shout out to my man Big Wise on the Rigger Network. Man, I love your content, bro. Keep doing what you're doing. You know, we... We give flowers on QP Sports Exchange. Real recognizes real all the time. So shout out to my boy, Big Wise. Check him on the Ringer Network when you get a chance. But you always download and listen to this podcast first. That's the prerequisite. Listen to QP Sports Exchange. Then go to the Ringer Network and listen to Big Wise. CP3 is more deadly than ever. Paul's efficiency is next level. Now check this out. CP3 was percentage points this year from being a 50-40-90 player on 20, 22% usage rate. Alright, let's think about that real quick. You got the Hardens of the world, the Kyries of the world that have like really high usage rates. You know, talking about 28-29. Sometimes Harden in Houston days was like over 30. Westbrook is a high usage rate player. And I'm not huge on numbers like this, but what this says to me is that Chris Paul not only picks and chooses when he goes in and says, okay, you guys have lost the tempo, you lost our identity, and it's time for me to kind of set the... The flow back. Okay? That's what he does. But if Devin Booker is doing his thing, if there's DeAndre Ayton is being very active, if Mikael Bridges is standing in the corner, Chris Paul is more than willing to go ahead and allow those guys to cook and let them do what they need to do. I mean, also, I think he is being an absolute... Um, God sent to not only DeAndre Ayton, 
but to also campaign. Campaign, you know, this dude was out the lead, okay? There was talk of Grill just bust, and he fought his way back into the lead. He showed and proved in the playoffs that he can be a, a contributor. That's a good energy bench piece that I would not mind having on the Lakers. Hint, hint. Rob Palenka, get on your grind, dog. But Chris Paul, with those numbers, should tell you two things. One, the guy understands basketball at a real level that a lot of people don't get to. The second thing those numbers tell you is that he really is mastering his craft. I mean, 50, 40, 90 for a guy who's 36 years of age. He's not the biggest guy on the face of the planet either. You know, he he's like six feet, maybe six one at the most. Okay. And he gets to his spots. He's very efficient. It's not a lot of wasted motion. It's just getting it done. And you know what? He's made all the difference in Phoenix, and Phoenix is glad to have him. The other thing that we need to talk about with Chris Paul is now, what do you think he's worth? Because here's the thing. He didn't just do it in Phoenix. He did it in OKC. He had those Rockets teams very close, and then unfortunate injury happened to him. So matter what you think about him as, you know, injury prone or whatever, what he's shown you in this playoff is that is that his his smarts and his sheer will will uh, basically elevate your talent to a level where, you know, if things you know roll your way, you might be in the NBA finals. So what is a savvy point guard who was literally percentage points away from a 50, 40, 90 year, year 15 of his career, 36 years old, what is that guy worth on the open market? Because here's the deal. He has a $42 million player option that he's going to opt out of. Now, this is what I've received so far, okay? And before I do that, before I say what I received, let's talk about just some questions about this situation. What do you do with Chris Paul if you're the Suns? Do you sign him for three years? Second question. What does that cost look like? And how does that impact signing your intricate part of your younger core? These are questions that the Suns have to answer. You got a 36-year-old Paul. Now, you can say the rest of the team has developed and we can go out and get a point guard that kind of matches up with the age of the group we have, right? We have Devin Booker, who is, what, 24, 25. We got Aiden, like 22. Got Mikael Bridges. He's like 23, 24. So the core of that team is young. So, do you want to resign Chris Paul for three years? Because that's what it's going to take. And that's a max that you can sign him at. And we'll get into that a little bit later. Now, what is it going to cost you? So, it's interesting. I've been talking to some guys 
shout out to my my green room dudes. A couple of them you'll hear tomorrow on the NBA draft preview special. But we were talking about Chris Paul, and there was a couple guys that were animate that he would get the max. I didn't say that he'd take a discount, but I think from my perspective is that Chris Paul loves L.A., and this is before Laker fans get started. I don't even want to hear it. Before you get crazy and talking about him taking like some kind of veteran minimum deal, stop yourself. But I do know that he loves Los Angeles. Now, and I think he loves that quality of life. Now, Phoenix is close. You know, it's a it's a plane ride away. It's like 40, 45 minutes. You're still close to the crib. So I can see that. Now, here's the other thing that we have to look at. Phoenix Suns, I love y'all. I love y'all vibe. I love y'all, just y'all swag right now. It's real, real dope. We still got to talk about the elephant in the room. And that elephant is one uh, governor, Robert Sarver. Robert Sarver has had this team since 2004. He took over for Colangelo. He has never been willing nor has he shown any kind of uh, desire to reach that luxury tax threshold. Now, there's a first time for everything. And I would hope that off the momentum of what the Suns built this year with coach Monty Williams, who has done a exemplary job of coaching this team, forming this team, and also you know, stepping back when he needs to and let his vets run the squad. He's done a masterful job. James Jones, as a GM, I mean, man, come on. This dude has really hit on everything. The only draft pick that I even have qualms with their general manager is the last one, is the Jalen Smith deal. Everybody else, Cam, hit. You know what I'm saying? Mikael Bridges, that was a steal. I still don't understand what Philly was thinking right there. I really don't. You know, and whatever you want to say about the draft with Luka and Trey Young, I mean, DeAndre Ayton has shown in this playoffs that that dude is a very valuable piece to have. You know, this dude is getting you like 16, 17 rebounds on a regular. Sometimes he gives you 22 you know, I ain't, I'm not expecting that in the regular season, but if he's giving me like 14 and 12 every single night in the regular season, and then he's jumping his point total up to 18 in the playoffs when the games really matter, I can't ask for anything more from that young man. That young man is doing real work. All right, so let's get to the cost of what CP3 is going to be. All right, I got some notes here, so give me a second. Uh, according to Chris Mannix of SI, he took a poll of execs, believes that Paul will be signed for three years. The range is around $60 million. Now, due to injury history and the financial losses for the NBA industry as a whole, it'll be hard to reach that $100 million threshold 
that CP3 desires. So this is coming from Chris Mannix. All right. This is not me. This is just Chris Mannix. This is what he's saying. This is what I'm going to say. My hunch is this. This is just pure speculation. I don't have any actual insight. But this is my spit. This is what I'm going to say. CP3 should get like a three-year deal around 68 to 76 million. And now 76 million is on the high side. So I'm kind of leaning towards anywhere between like 68 to 72. That puts them in like the 23, 24 million dollar range. I think that's a good range for a 36 year old point guard to be in. Who has shown what he has shown. Okay. And I think that could get it done. Also, it saves money on the cap for the Suns. You know, they're going from 42 million to 24. That's 18 millions of savings. You know, now you putting that towards the kids. But if I were the Suns, I think I would sign Chris Paul back. If I were the Suns. Now, it's up to Robert Sauver and what he wants to do. You know, it's up to him and the brain trust and see what comes of it. Now, for my Los Angeles fans, when I said that he really likes the area and he's comfortable in L.A. again. Both franchises in Los Angeles do not have the financial wherewithal to get Chris Paul. They're both over the cap. They'll be they would have to be some serious, serious like financial. Somebody would basically have to take back players, not give anything back type of deal. So go look at your teams with salary cap abundance a la the Knicks and see if you can take them for a ride. That's the only way that the Lakers and Clippers could even sniff Chris Paul. Because they got money tied up in a real way. Right now, you know what? We're going to pivot to the salary cap. Okay? Because I wanted to get on this a little bit. Because I think a lot of people are really weirded out when people talk about trades. And, you know, are they, you know, reality? And why it is that you can't trade this guy for this guy and, and all that. So for my fans that don't follow the salary cap very well, let me get, give you like a little simple breakdown. So let's say that the salary cap for the NBA is $100 million. I know it's more. Just bear with me, okay? This is for people who don't understand, all right? I know some of the hoop heads out there are going like, what is he doing right now? We understand this. But some people don't. So how it works is that if your salary cap was $100 million, all right, that's like your suggested, you know, wage scale for all your players that you have. So you have a 15-player roster, all right, $100 million. You got to somehow disperse that $100 million that way. Now, they have what they call a luxury tax. A luxury tax is for every dollar over whatever the threshold is you get a tax in this case if your cap is at 100 million for every dollar that you go over the cap it's a buck 50 tax so if you hit anywhere between a dollar and four million nine hundred ninety nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars you're gonna pay a dollar fifty per dollar now, once you get to 
$5 million over the cap, it turns into $1.75 per dollar. Now, usually the luxury tax threshold allows you to spend approximately $22 to $24 million over the cap. So this gets you your Supermax guy. So like if it's the Lakers, it's LeBron, it's AD. You know, they're making the lion's share of the money. All right. That's why we can get into the luxury tax and be okay. You know, we don't ever get a hard cap, but I'll explain that in a second. So what the actual cap is, okay, supposedly for next year, the actual cap is going to be 112 million. See, we weren't far off with the even the analogy. So 112 million is supposed to cap next year. And 136.6 is the luxury tax threshold. So when you have that situation, all right, and you know that LeBron and AD, KCP, and Kuzma pretty much eat up all that by themselves. So the Lakers trying to get anyone this year via free agency only have to look at like the mid-level exception guys and things of that nature. They can't really go get somebody unless they tr- sign and trade Schroeder or they trade Kuzma or they trade KCP's contract. That's the only way they're getting people. They're not going to be able to sign Chris Paul straight out. They can't give a a sign offer for Lonzo Ball because they just don't have the money to do it. Now, the hard cap is set when you do a couple things. Now, if you sign and trade your guy to some other team, and it's just players back, but they're not free agents. They have like a couple years left on their deal. That does not set off the hard cap. Okay? What the hard cap is, is that, you know, in regards to like Chris Paul or somebody like that, you would need Phoenix to then trade him to you after they signed him. Now that will trigger the cap. Boom. You're in it. But if you trade for somebody that has a couple years left on their contract or expiring contract or whatever the case may be, you are still able to kind of go over the cap and, you know, massage it and all that sort of stuff. So if the Lakers are looking to keep Schroeder for his cap hold and then trade him after they sign him. Now, if he's getting, I don't think he's getting $100 million. I just, I don't know. I can't see it. I don't know. I mean, if Chris Paul is not getting $100 million, Schroeder damn sure is not getting $100 million. Whatever Chris, this this is why I went here. This is why we went on this tangent a little bit. Is because whatever Schroeder gets, Chris Paul should get a little bit more, right? Not because of age or anything like that. He's just a better player. He a better player than Dennis Schroeder. I don't care if Dennis Schroeder. You say okay, let's evaluate him in three years. Okay, fine. Chris Paul at 36 is a better player than Dennis Schroeder. So if Dennis is getting, you know, four for 80, then Chris Paul got to get three for like 68, you know, 72 to make that math work. 
you know, we've heard a lot about the Spencer Dinwiddie thing out here in Los Angeles as well. Say I would take Brooklyn to trade him to you. Okay, Laker fan. Brooklyn would have to trade him to you. You cannot sign him right off the bat. You don't have the money to do it. We got to start thinking wise with our transactions and start trying to understand the cap a little bit. All right, before we start putting these outlandish trades out there. Anytime this podcast puts out an irresponsible trade, the money matches up. So we might put irresponsible stuff out there, but as far as the actual machinations of the trade, it definitely works. So there is that information that I wanted to pass on to you. But let's give flowers to CP3 making his first finals, man. We so proud of you, bro. And uh, we're going to come back with a little story on Kawhi and what's going on with him. And we'll be back momentarily. But you don't hear me, though. Yo, we're back, and we're going to talk about Kawhi Leonard. So, the Clippers get bounced from the playoffs. Kawhi is in luxury box, all that sort of thing. Then he came down to the bench, I think, last game. So now, Kawhi can't opt out of his contract. All right, that's where we're at. All right, so now the question is, is that is Kawhi leaving the la-la? Okay, that's what L.A., that's what these streets want to hear. Is he leaving the la-la? Let's go here first. Um, now, this po- this podcast was recorded that there's several of the Clippers brass that have very limited information on Leonard's injury and who is treating him. Another piece of this is Kawhi does not trust the Clippers training staff. Now, this podcast will not go there. Skip Bayless might, but this podcast won't go there. With as far as Kawhi not trusting the Clippers training staff. Kawhi has had a history with injuries and being clouded in mystery. Okay, the San Antonio situation really resonated with Kawhi and his NBA career and his mortality in the NBA. That experience galvanized his very crafted playing, rest, management, whatever you want to call it, maintenance schedule, and his physical training. I will never guess on what Kawhi is thinking, okay? I think that is a futile exercise because nobody knows. The people who know what Kawhi is doing are Kawhi Leonard and Uncle Dennis. Those are the two people who know if he's opting out, if he's going to Miami, which I do not think he would be going to Miami. Look at that team. Look who runs that team. And you tell me if Kawhi Leonard is going to Miami. All right? 
Now, New York could be a possibility. But Kawhi moved heaven and earth to get to Los Angeles because he wants to live in San Diego. He likes San Diego. He liked the vibe. He liked the whole situation. He has an organization in the Clippers that are going with his his regimen and his rest schedule and, you know, how he wants to do things. So he has a pretty good life with the Clippers organization. They seem not to push him very much, you know, whether to play or not to play. They seem truly invested in him, maybe almost to a fault a little bit, but I digress into where I think Kawhi is going to be at. Personally, I think there's two choices. I think it's L.A., the Clippers, or it's Dallas. I think Dallas would be the only other place for him to kind of go. And I'll tell you why. Cuban is one of those owners that, like, he likes, you know, outside-the-box thinking. And nobody gives more outside-the-box than Kawhi Leonard. All right? There's no player that causes more confusion either with his style of play or just his mysterious injuries that nobody really knows or has a handle on. All right? So, I can see that working in Dallas. I don't know if they have the money for Kawhi. I think they'd have to move some stuff. Porzingis would have to be in that deal, get that money off the books if they wanted to get, you know, around Kawhi. But that might be the only place that I could see him going other than right back to the Clippers. I'm not going to say he's not going to, um, you know, string this along. Because Kawhi seems like the dude that he likes that type of stuff. Low key. He won't tell you. But I think he likes it. <laughs> so as a, as free agency looms near you know that we get into the end of the season with the championship coming up qp sports exchange will be chasing down information to bring you our loyal listeners our loyal listeners a contextual story as we try to break news with the big boys of our industry so what we're gonna do is we're gonna be all over the basketball stuff you don't have to worry about the offseason. We're going to have that locked down. There will be more and more stories that we need to get to. As we get closer to the draft, like I said, we're going to have an extra pod till the draft. Then maybe we'll give out some draft grades. Do that. That will lead us right into free agency. And then after that, you know, we gonna have a little lull, but maybe what that'll do, that'll give us some time to do like some um, team previews and some stuff like that. And, um, you know, maybe kind of highlight the rookies and where they went. Is it a good fit? All that sort of thing. So we got plenty basketball to talk about before 
September rolls around, October rolls around, we gonna be good, okay? We gonna be good. So don't you worry. The other thing that we gotta hit is we have some news out of Portland. The Damian Lillard, Neil O'Shea rift um, is real. As reported by uh, Bleacher Report, Taylor Rapp, um, also in a statement by Ian Bagley of Scores New York. This is his statement. One, one element here is that I've heard is with Lillard and Neil O'Shea, they have not totally seen eye to eye in Portland. A couple of players around the league have jokingly said, if you like Portland, if you like being in Portland, don't get close to Dame Dalla because you might be moved. Through Dame's tenure in Portland, we've seen players that Dame has liked or he Dame has been close to and don't do not remain with that roster, whether it be by trade or not resigning in free agency. So that was a statement by Ian Bagley of Sports New York. Okay. Um Portland, what do you think about that? What do you think about that situation? Cause there have been times where Dame has been upset about player personnel moves. You know, he's not shy about saying stuff. Now, he's been a good soldier for a lot of years there. But I wonder where we at right now. But here's what I am going to say to Portland fans. Okay? Is this. Until Dame himself says it, then Dame is in Portland. This is what I'll say again. Dame is in Portland for now until Dame says otherwise. But if you keep on messing with Dane, you keep on jerking him around, that dude's going to be like, you know what? I'm cool off you. All right? I'm straight. Now get me the hell up out of here. Playing around. You know what I'm saying? I should be like in Western Conference Finals every year. What are y'all doing? Figure this out. You know I wanted, you know, certain things. You imagine... Dame dropping a diss track. You know, Dame's an artist. You imagine Dame dropping a diss track. And in that diss track, he announced that he wants out of Portland. And in that diss track, saying that he's out of Portland, he has a list of teams in the hook of the of the of the diss track. Oh. <laughs> uh, and one of the lines for sure would be, I wanted Jay Kidd, but they gave me Mr. Big Shot. Now, Portland, I ain't got a pot to piss in. What? You imagine Dame dropping diss tracks on Portland and Neil O'Shea as he tries to get out of Portland. T- naming teams in in the hook. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Portland, listen, it's all jokes, but on the real level, on a real level, you might you might want to look at life after dang. Because I just I don't know. I don't know when the frustration is gonna billow over. 
I hope he stay. I mean, I really enjoyed. I really have enjoyed Dame in Portland. He's always going to be a struggle to go up against as a Laker fan. Portland's one of those house of horror type places for the Lakers anyway. And having somebody like Dame who can go nuclear any second and drop 50 on you and hit that 40-foot jump shot, not heave, jump shot, that dude is real. And I love Dame. I love everything about him. You know what I'm saying? And we'll see how it all plays out this summer. Because I think this is a critical summer for Portland. I think this is a critical summer for Dame. It's a critical um, time in his life and where he wants his legacy to be and what he wants that legacy to look like. I know Dame is an extremely loyal dude, you know, but I think sometimes, you know, frustrations, they they take over a man every once in a while. So... We'll see how it all plays out, and if anything breaks, if we get any news whatsoever, because keep in mind, we will be digging for info on this. So, Portland, you'll know what I know. And if we have to break into an emergency pod, so be it. That's how we do. That's how we get down. That's, that's, that's our life. You know what I'm saying? That's how we get it. Giving you the news you need when you need it. Now, we're going to come back with a Paul George story. I can't wait for this. I've been waiting all pod for this. And we'll be back momentarily. So, you know, for me to get information and get content, I listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, Some of my favorite podcasts are obviously I like Bill Simmons. I like the Ring Your NBA show with Big Waz and Chris Ryan and uh, J. Kyle Mann and my boy KLC. I love all those dudes at the Ringer. I respect those guys. They grind real hard. So I always give flowers to those who are really doing it in the industry. And, you know, I'm trying to get that climb. I'm trying to grind like that as well. So sometimes content just comes to you. So I'm going to read you something that Rajah Bell said on the Real Ones podcast 
with Logan Murdoch. And in the middle of it, I'm going to give you my takes on what Mr. Bell is saying. Um, I think it's crystal clear what he is conveying to the audience. And I want to kind of chime in on why he's saying it and what we kind of think of not what he's saying, but how we react to certain players. So this is Rajah Bell on the last Real Ones, um, which was Thursday. And uh, it's really, it's, man, this is, this is great stuff. So I can't wait to get to it. First and foremost, the other thing that I want to kind of co-sign with, with Rajah Bell is this. Rajah played in the league for a long period of time. Okay. Now, Rajah was respected in the league as a tough guy, as a guy who grinded, a guy who gets you some buckets, but he was definitely going to be guarding, you know, the best player on the other team if they were like under 6'8. All right. Now, I had to go get this article from July 19th of 2010. It was in Bleach Report by Carlos Leonardo. Okay, Kobe Bryant wanted Rajah Bell on his team. All right, it was like a a deal. Now this dude like clotheslined him like four years ago. All right, and he was looking to get Rajah Bell on the squad. So that tells you that Rajah is a real one, and he also has been co-signed by the Black Mamba. All right, and I give you all this because. I want you guys to understand that this is a real dude who played in the league a long time. He's also been in front office. So he has a really treasure trove of knowledge that we can glean off this message. So I'm going to read you some of this. And this is from last Thursday. So Raja says, when it comes to excuses at this point, when you've not got it done, no one gives a shit. No one wants to hear the excuse. Because your job is to get it done. If you don't get it done, then it opens it up to whatever comes your way. I have no beef with Paul George. I happen to like Paul George. Paul George is a really, really, really good player. But you didn't get the job done. So I don't want to hear about minutes, meaning that Paul George played 776 minutes in his playoffs this year. So there was that thing going around that, you know, he just ran out of gas and, and all that. And I'm not saying that that's not true. Okay. I'm sure that man did run out of gas. You know, without Kawhi Leonard, it was, <clears throat> was going to be a tough go. All right. So right now we are not talking slander. We are not talking that Paul George is trash. Okay. <coughs> Cut that out. All right. We're not talking slander. We're not talking that Paul George is trash. 
all we're doing is kind of putting Paul George where he needs to be. Okay? Paul George is a really good player. He's a star in this league. Okay? He's a good he's a good player. You would want Paul George on your team. He does a lot of things right. Plays good defense. Shoots the ball well. Has shot creativity. Can get others involved. Paul George is a very good all-around player. Okay? So, before Clipper fans starts getting at me about, oh, slander on Paul George. Slander on playoff Pete. No, this is not what this is about. But what this is about is people jumping on one side of the fence and then another. But we're going to get to that. So Raja goes on to say, No one wants to hear that. I'm sorry. What the? You get paid to go get us over the hump. But that's everybody who is a superstar or cast in that role. You can't take the good and not the bad. Logan. Both Logan Murdoch and Rajak Bell recognize um, Paul George's brilliance. But then Rajak goes on to say, but in a closeout game, PG3 had 15 field goal attempts. You cannot have 15 field goal attempts and Marcus Moore Sr. have 17 in your closeout game. So, here's what I want to say with that. All right. It's okay to run out of gas, it's okay to not have your best performance. But when you that do go out go out blazing, you're you're their best option. Paul George on the Clippers without Kawhi Leonard is the Clippers' best option. His drive to the lane, you know, get knocked off position and him throwing a shot off shot up. Is better is better than Patrick Beverly taking a three. And Pat Bev shot it real well the last game, no doubt. Okay? Um Paul George with two guys on him and rising up to take a like a you know a mid mid-range J at his spot is better than Zubots getting a post up. Or Marcus Morris Sr. getting a post up 16 feet away from the basket. That's all I'm trying to say. It's not that Paul George is garbage. It's not that Paul George is trash. It's you got to do more for your squad in that situation. All right? You are up against it, my man. Yo, yo, your troops have been depleted. Kawhi's not there. Zubas is not there. All right? 
There's some stuff going on. So my man, you're going to have to take more than 15 FGAs. Now, Raja goes on to say this. I believe that top that Paul George is a top 15 player. I think he's more like a top 20 player. Well, we'll going off what Raja is saying. But you are not number one option. Okay. We'll get to that in a second. Here's the difference. The difference is between the number one and number two is that it's not that their ability to score and get buckets or dominate a game. It's the consistency that they, the number one option, can do that every night. So let me say this again. The difference between a number one and a number two option is not that they're not their ability to score or get buckets or dominate a game. It's the consistency that they, the number one option, can do it every night. And there's the difference. There's the difference between Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. There's the difference between Paul George and Trey Young. There's the difference between Paul George and Donovan Mitchell. There's the difference between Paul George and Luka Doncic. Okay? Listen, Paul, no slander. You're a great dude. I would even love to have you on the squad, bro, to be super honest with you. But at the end of the day, you cannot have 15 field goal attempts in a closeout game. That is not something a superstar does. He shoots his team in or out of games. But trust and believe a superstar is going to have his shots. He is going to have the most shots of any of his teammates unless this dude is super injured and just on the court almost damn near for moral support. Okay? A la James Harden. So, Paul George, I'm going to need more than 15 shots in a closeout game. So, you want to know where the heat is coming from? That's where the heat is coming from. Listen, man, spectacular performance in game five. All time. Nice. Carried your team on your back, bro. For sure. Nobody's questioning whether you can or cannot get it done. What we're asking for is don't come at us when we don't put you up there with like the best of the best. Dude. There's only like 450 of you in the world. And somebody's telling you you're in between 15 to 20 of the best that are doing it on the planet. There is no slander there. You can't be salty for that. There are a lot of people wish they could do what you do. You make a very good living at what you do. And this is not about money. This is not about shut up and dribble. It's not about any of that, bro. What it is, is that you got to take the good with the bad. 
If you don't have a, if your performance is not on par, guess what? They gonna come for your head. You know what I'm saying? Some of the stuff gets outlandish, bro. I understand that. All right, I understand that. I remember when Magic Johnson missed two free throws in a Western Conference Final against Houston. And let me tell you something. That dude took a lot of crap after that. Magic's not clutch. I remember it. I remember it like I remember yesterday. Oh, you have the stories that you can't depend on Magic in the last few seconds of the game. He doesn't shoot from the outside. He's not clutch. He doesn't have a go-to move. He's more of a facilitator. Man, we heard it all. This is after this dude had won a championship. Okay? This is after this dude, as a rookie, put the Lakers on his back, scored 42 points, grabbed like 15, 16 rebounds, and had like seven assists. Playing center as a rookie in the NBA Finals. That crap was on tape delay. For my youngins out there, there was a time that basketball would literally be tape delayed. Like you would see it after your local news. Okay? That's how OG I am. Alright? So a couple years later, Magic misses a couple free throws. Houston beats the Lakers in a playoff series. And let me tell you something. They were coming for that man's head. Oh, he's not clutch. Oh, he's not this. Oh, he needs to develop a jump shot. How the hell are the Lakers going to win with this 6'9 point guard without a jump shot? Does it sound familiar, Ben Simmons? Does it sound familiar, Paul George? Yo, if you that dude and you getting paid all that money, you're going to get this heat. Like it or not. Just understand the game, bro. That's what you need to do. Focus on you. Focus on your best life, bro. You making all this money. You in LA. You know how it is. You still good. You know, you want to put the doubters to bed. Put the doubters to bed. Go out there and shoot your shot. Go out there and put up 23, 24 FGAs. If you get them over the top, great. If you don't get them over the top, hey, I did everything I could to get my team over the top. All right? I don't want to hear this whining from NBA players. I just gave you a legend, bro. A legend. Magic Johnson. After winning a championship, LA Times, USA Today, all over this man talking about well I don't know if the Lakers can depend on Magic Johnson I don't know if he's clutch enough this is before Skip Bayless and that clutch gene crap that he tried to pull on LeBron and others this is way before that alright so if Magic Johnson can take it and rise above and become one of the clutch, most clutch players, one of the most winning players that has ever done it in this league. I'm gonna need Paul George 
And I'm going to need others to kind of calm down. Stop being sensitive. Stop being in your feelings about getting some criticism. Turn that criticism into your game. Kobe did it. Black Mamba did it. I hear a lot of players out here screaming Mamba mentality. But are you getting after it like that? You getting after it like that? I know Devin Booker's getting after it like that. That dude got a tattoo with, with something that Kobe said to him. Be legendary. That man took that. He took that to heart. He said, I'm going to take this. And I'm going to ride this train all the way to my destiny, which is one be the one of the most lethal dudes to ever do it. And my man's in the NBA Finals. But Devin Booker's had criticism too. All the greats has had him. Joe M. B. Joe L. M. B. a couple years ago, we were talking about how out of shape he was and how we didn't think he cared about the game or whatever the case may be. All that was garbage. Definitely that man cared about the game. But you know what he did? He didn't pout. That dude lost 15, 16 pounds, came back, came and had more stamina, and he was an MVP level player this year. Okay? So, Paul George, don't get all up in your feelings. Don't be sensitive. Don't put on no cute sweat. Don't put on no Ralph Tresvant. Okay? Shouts out to Ralph Tresvant, new edition. You know. You know what I'm saying? I ride with I ride with new edition. You know, I mess with them. But I don't need Paul George listening to Keith Sweat or Ralph Tresvant and being sensitive. I need you to rest up, get in the lab, work some stuff out, come back better than you were last year, bro. That's it. That's all you got to do. You know what I'm saying? Give everything to the game and the game will give you everything, bro. Real talk. You know what I'm saying? From an old head. So, Paul George had excellent playoff series. Paul George showed that <clears throat> he can be counted on in crunch times. Um, that he can be a valuable piece. I think that the Clippers running back next year, honestly, if I had to just take a, if I was betting on this situation. But I do not want to hear about how Paul George is mad about criticism. I'm, I'm not doing that anymore. And if you mad about criticism, stay off social media, dog. You know, shut it down. You know what I'm saying? Go to an island and kick it. You know, get your thoughts together. Come back. So that's really all I got to say about that. I wanted to um, shout out Rajah Bell for giving his takes and also giving his takes in a, in a space that a lot of uh, former athletes aren't comfortable in that space, uh, you know, giving ridicule and giving like real real constructive criticism to these to these guys that are in the NBA now. So shots out to Rajah Bell. Shots out to Logan Murdoch on the real ones. 
I mess with y'all. You know what I'm saying? I love the podcast. I think it's very, very informative. And I was glad to be able to use this on a segment of mine. So, yes, I stole from them a little bit. But I wanted to get my takes off as well. Because I didn't play in the league. You know what I'm saying? Rajah did. So, I'm going to go with that guy. But see, I am a historian of the game. And when I tell you that there were people that were, oh, man, let's even go like this. If you really want to go with it, how about the GOAT? How about MJ? Yo, man, let me tell you something. Go read articles from, like, 1988 and talking about is he ever going to win a ring? Is he ever going to get his team over the hump? You know what I'm saying? So they all have dealt with it. The greats of the greats have dealt with it. So when I hear Paul George crying about, oh, it's slander, how people, you know, throwing my name through the mud. But dude, get better, bro. Get better. That's all I can tell you. Michael Jordan took criticism. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar took criticism. Hakeem Olajuwon took criticism. These are greats. Going through the same stuff you do. The only thing is not on Twitter. That's it. That's the only difference. Don't let the media, don't let Twitter consume you. That's what I will have to say about that. So we're going to move on. We got one last thing to talk about. Um, Yo, shouts out to Atlanta. Shouts out to the ATL. Shouts out to the Hawks. Shouts out to Trey Young. Shouts out to John Collins, the Baptist. John the Baptist, bro. Shouts out to uh, Kevin Herter. Shouts out to um, Cam Reddish. Shouts out to Clint Capella. And all the dudes in the ATL. First of all, let's congratulate these young men on a fantastic playoff run. Okay? I don't care what you thought about New York. I don't don't care what you thought about Philadelphia. I don't care what you think about what happened with Milwaukee. For this team to make this playoff run with their star being three years in the league that was a phenomenal playoff run and we gonna give flowers to the ATL and we gonna give flowers to the Hawks that's for sure so we gonna give you kind of like a little overview of what we saw out of the playoffs on the ATL so we're gonna be showing love on this situation All right, Um, what we learned about the Hawks and certain players. All right, Uh, we're going to start off with the main dude, right? We're going to start off with Ice Trey, Trey Young. Okay, Trey Young is ready for the big stage. Here's my thoughts. Young showed toughness throughout the playoffs. Young showed in-series adjustments throughout the playoffs. Trey showed the ability to involve the others. 
So they couldn't just key on him. That's important for Trey being 6'1", 6 feet. Trey displayed a superstar DNA even through his struggles in games, but in crunch time, he was there and he was impactful. Okay? So when you talk about Trey Young, right, and you see all this maturity, all this growth come, all boom, right there, instant. Man, you, you can't be anything but excited in the ATL, in the A. All right. Now we're going to move over to Atlanta's wings. And we ain't talking about Magic City Lemon Pepper wings. We're talking about the wings. We're talking about the herders of the world, the reddishes of the world. Okay. DeAndre Hunters of the world. All right. So the Hawks may have found something in Herder. All right. So we're going to break down Herder a little bit. Kevin Herter displays some shot creativity throughout the playoffs. I like that a lot. The Red Mamba found his mid-range game. That's what I noticed about Kevin Herter. Is that there was a there was a 15-footer at the corner of the key that that dude was starting to knock down. Now he got tired at the end of the series. He did not shoot it well in the Milwaukee series. But throughout the playoffs, that dude was really bringing it. And I was excited to see him in this spot growing. I think they have a real nice building piece with Kevin Herter. And I think he showed a little bit more nuance to his game. He's not just, oh, let me stick him in the corner and have him knock down a three. Yo, man, this dude can shot fake, you know, go 15-footer, little pump fake, get it up, and get that shot in. So, that's a bad boy right there. So, shots out to my boy from Maryland, Kevin Herter, a.k.a. Red Mamba, a.k.a. Kayvon. <laughs> All right, um... Also, Herter is not a negative on defense. All right, he's not like super stopper guy. He's not going to be like, yo, put him on your best offensive dude and let him, you know, just frustrate him. But he has some length to him. He does get out to the shooters on rotations. He can keep a dude in front of him for a while. He plays good team defense. He gets into the passing lanes, and that's all you can want. Because defense is effort. Let's just be honest with that. It's effort. Move your feet. Get to the open man. Try to contest. I saw a lot of that with Kevin Herter. Now we're going to move on to we had a Cam Reddish spotting. All right. My boy Cam Reddish out of Duke. Got some run. Albeit through desperation. Shouts out to Nate McMillan. Trying stuff. By the way, when he saw that the roster was depleted. Shouts out to Nate McMillan. By the way, before we even go any further with Cam Reddish. Nate McMillan needs to have that interim tag taken off his, uh, you know, off his title. Okay? And by the way, Indiana... 
I know you got Carlisle now. Congratulations on that. That's a good pickup for you. But y'all know y'all fired the wrong Nate, right? Y'all know y'all fired the wrong one. You know what I'm saying? Like, you could have kept Nate McMillan and not have Bjorkin. Alright? But y'all decided to go with Bjorkin. And you saw what that looked like last year. So, good for you making the pivot, making the change, cleaning up your mistake on Nate Bjorkin. Now he's gone, and now you have Rick Carlisle. So, super upgrade there. Congrats to y'all. All right. But my man Nate McMillan, that interim tag, that needs to come off in a real way. All right. Back to Cam Reddish. <coughs> Reddish showed some promise um, of his 10th overall status that he got picked a couple years ago. Uh, Reddish has found his three-point stroke. He went 9 of 14. For 63% in the playoffs. Now it's a small sample size. But this is as confident. As I've seen Cam Reddish with his stroke. Since like McDonald's All-American days. I don't know what happened at Duke. I don't know what happened the first couple of years in the league. But my man had lost confidence. So maybe the time off. Time away. Did him some good. Cleaned up his mind. Got his mind right. And now he's stroking three. And if this is the Cam Reddish we're going to see next year. With all that length, with all that playmaking ability, with all that defensive ability that he has, if this is a dude we're going to see next year, man, ATL going to have a banner year next year, bro. You know what I'm saying? Brooklyn and all these other squads going to have to look out because I don't think the ATL is going anywhere. He was disruptive. He was a de- he was really active defensive wing. He was disruptive and he was uh, active in the passing lanes. And I was glad to see it from Cam Reddish because, man, that dude was MIA for a minute. I might have to put an APB out on him, try to figure out where that where that cat was. Um, the last wing that I want to talk about, and it's one of those things kind of bittersweet. Um. No DeAndre Hunter in in this series really hurt the Atlanta Hawks. Okay, DeAndre Hunter is a a real solid dude. Plays really good defense. Gives you some scoring punch as well. Um, man, ATL y'all a a, a healthy D D Hunter against Milwaukee. This might have been a different series. Now, what you need to do, Atlanta training staff, whatever the Hawks need to do to get this man's knee right, low management, miss the first 20 games the next season, I don't care what you got to do, get that dude's knee right. You know what I'm saying? Get that dude taken care of so he can come back and be the guy that he needs to be because he makes a, a real difference in what the Hawks do. And I think that the matchups for Milwaukee would have been problematic with DeAndre Hunter in the mix. All right. Um, last but not least. Okay. 
the Bogdan Bogdanovich effect. ATL, your boys went 30 and 14. They bought when Bogdanovich got back in the lineup. All right. That guy's a warrior. He was clearly hampered after the Philly series, but he gave them everything he had grit defensively, timely shooting, even though I know he didn't shoot well. He would get hot when he needed to, when it was time to get that money, to get that paper, to get the W. My man gave everything he could to the Hawks. And shots out to Bogdan Bajanovic. We love that cat. I've been on that cat all year. I even roasted Milwaukee for not getting him because they don't know how to use a Google Calendar. Look it up. Archive pods, bro. Them archive, archive pods are hot. Gotta get these jokes. There's a joke about Milwaukee front office and not being able to use a Google Calendar because they got everything messed up, like time-wise, time frame-wise, with the Bogdan Bogdanovich deal from Sacramento. So go into archive pods and get that because it's comedy go. The other thing is this, is that he brought a grown-up to the lineup, and I think that Trey Young needed that. He brought some stability to that lineup that I think we'll see even Trey play more off-ball next year to keep him fresh. You know, he don't have to pound the ball for 22 seconds and then get up a shot. I think he's going to trust his teammates more, and I think um, Bogdan Bajanovic helped him with that a lot. Um, as well as Nate McMillan. So I think Atlanta's future is terribly bright. And here's the other thing that I'm going to say by, by Yanovich. I'm going to tell you right now. Note to all the NBA front offices, okay? This is Palinka. This is Lauren Frank in the Clippers organization. If you are in San Antonio right now and you're making decisions, this is for you. This is for Leon Rose in New York. This is for Sean Marks in Brooklyn. This is for whomever is running Orlando right now. You know what I'm saying? Find yourself your own Bajanovich. Okay? Find you a 6'6 guy, switchable, decent shot creator, good secondary ball handler. Tough as nails, not scared of the moment, not backing down from people. Everybody needs a Bogdanovich. I'm hoping that the Lakers find some close facsimile of that guy out there. Because he brought a lot to the table. And I thought he was going to be a key to this season. You know, especially for Milwaukee. And lo and behold, who did Milwaukee see in the Eastern Conference Finals? There he was. The apple of their eye before the Drew Holiday deal. Okay? You know what I'm saying? Remember, Bogdan Banyanovic came before Drew. And then they messed that up and they pivoted for Drew Holiday. So, go back and listen. Go back and listen to the archive pods. 
Get yourself immersed in the QP Nation. Get yourself immersed with QP Sports Exchange so you can get all these jokes that are going to come back that I'm going to reference from yesteryear. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of good jokes that come through. This podcast was less jokes, more heat. But you know, we try to entertain y'all. All right. With that being said, I got to get up out of here. This has been a long podcast, but there was some stuff that I had to get off my chest. Um, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you are on iTunes, if you're on Spotify, if you're on all of the podcast uh, platforms, you know how to get to us. Please download and and subscribe. We need you. We need the numbers. We're trying to grow. We got two new members of the team. So everything is helpful. The other thing is this. Be good to yourself. Take care of yourself first. So then you can be what you need to be for your family. And then appreciate those people that are around you, that support you, to allow you to do what you do. All right. Then, you know, be a good neighbor. Say hi, a friendly wave, a smile, you know, chop it up a little bit. And now that we're free and we can do whatever we want to do, we get out there, you know what I'm saying? Vaccinated up, all that sort of stuff, everything. Give some time to a local charity. Give some time to a, a local organization that is you know, doing real positive things in your community. Make sure you handle that situation. And if you are so blessed abundantly but from God that you are so busy, you know what I'm saying, that God, God has just blessed your life so, so viciously with just fruitfulness, well then, I'm happy for you, number one. Number two, break off some green, you know, Give some money to some of these worthwhile uh, organizations. That's what I'm trying to say. All right. And with that being said, man, I'm going to see you right back here tomorrow, Tuesday, NBA Draft Preview. Okay. Nico Militello, my boy Kendall will be in the building. It's going to be reckless. It's going to be reckless with these takes. It's going to be hot in these streets. Okay. You do not want to miss that. All right? We're going to be breaking down some dudes. All right? So plan your Tuesday accordingly to QP Sports Exchange. And with that being said, your boy is out of here. And I'm bye, yeah, 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 sin. Bye.